1: Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust
0: Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then, redeem your Pampers cash for
1: exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take. From what fresh hell laughing in the face of motherhood, this is Margaret... And this is Amy. And today we're talking to Radha Agrawal. She was named by MTV as one of eight women who will change the world. She's the co-founder of Daybreaker, the early morning dance and wellness movement with a community of almost half a million people around the globe. She's recently launched Dose, which is a new community with the goal of making joy, the same sort of intentional practice as yoga and meditation. She's the co-founder of Thinks Underwear. She's the mom of a little girl, Soleil, and she's the author of the book Belong, Find Your People, create community and live a more connected life. We're going to talk to Radha today about practicing joy and finding our dream communities as we come out of this crazy time. Welcome, Radha. It's so good to be here, Amy and Margaret. Thanks for having me. Radha, you are doing so
0: much. I feel like I'm just having trouble getting out of bed in the morning. I listen to that bio and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm a
2: little intimidated by you. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I'm blushing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I had a kid who had to get up early for a field trip and I was like, I can't do this. I got to get my stamina back a
1: little bit. I think That's what I'm realizing. (laughs) That's exactly it. I think that's why Rod is the perfect guest for right now because we are all transitioning out of what was a very hard, lonely, isolating time and coming out into the world. I was just at a little gathering in the park this morning with the moms from my kid's school and had six times the like, I don't know how to do this anymore. I don't really know how to talk to people. People keep saying that. Everybody I meet, it's like, I don't know how to do this. This feels great. This feels weird. And it feels honestly terrific to me to speak to any stranger I encounter at this point, particularly if you don't have a mask on because it's outside. So I think this is an opportunity to sort of create the community that you want, but I also have no idea how to do that. So that's why I'm glad you're here.
2: Yeah. So firstly, you know, we call it the four A's. Getting aware that you want to build community is the first A. It's the first part of being on this beautiful community and belong adventure. And that awareness will take you to trying it out, right? And so you sharing with your sister friends that you don't know how to do it. Well, awkward is the second A. Being awkward with, <laughs> you know, communication and practice. And as long as we push that awkwardness, as long as we find courage, especially now to know that everyone's feeling that way. Just joy and belonging and community building. It really is a skill that you acquire and that you have to go through the awareness and then awkwardness. And then you apply it. Third A, you apply it every day, you work on it, and then it becomes automatic. And that's the fourth A. It's just getting having the courage to move through until it becomes automatic. And it's like anything in life. And joy is no different.
0: I think that's something that I have actually learned from doing the podcast that there are so many things that we think like you have it or you don't that are just intrinsic to being alive. We were just talking to someone about childhood play and she was saying, you know, you actually have to kind of teach kids and help them practice imaginative play. And I think there's a parallel to this sense of belonging that we feel like, well, you belong or you don't or you're popular or you're not
2: or you're social or you're not. Absolutely. Think about it. Are we taught as individuals how to belong on the playground, how to belong in the classroom, how to belong in college, how to belong when we move to a new city, how to belong when we start a new job, how to belong when we become a parent. There's about seven to ten inflection points in our lives where we're sort of starting over or in a transition or letting old friends go to invite new friends in. Like anything, it is a skill that you acquire. It is something that you have to actively pursue and actively recognize that whether you call yourself names, like I'm an introvert, I'm socially anxious, it's so important for us, especially now to not adopt and believe that these labels to be true. This is our time to recognize the metavert in all of us. And I call this metavert. We're not introvert. We're neither introverts nor extroverts. We are metaverts living at this beautiful intersection between these two polarities. And I think so many of us Especially actually starting early on in our youth when we were laughing on the playground or someone hung up on us when we invited them to our house for dinner and said they're not coming. You know, there's so many moments in our life that sort of creates a sort of labeling opportunity for ourselves that ends up not supporting us. And so. The first thing I share to those who are like, how do I do this? I don't know how to do this. It's hard to do this. Is First, let's actually look within the first half of my book is all about going in, which is like getting comfortable with who you are, where you came from, what labels you've been calling yourself, how those labels have been limiting you and really breaking those paradigms, recognizing that we get to be social butterflies. We get to be bookworms. We get to be outward and gregarious. We get to be quiet and reserved. We get to be all these things. And that's the beautiful part of being human. And the more we pigeonhole ourselves into these labels, the more we, again, limit ourselves from building community and making deep relationships.
1: What has Becoming a Mom taught you about the difficulties of creating community? And like in some ways. Of course, I made new friends when I became a mom and I was going to the park with babies every day. Some of those women I'm still friends with. Some of them I'm more, you know, Facebook friends with. And that's okay. That's one of the things you talk about in your book right, that relationships can evolve and change over time. And that's to be welcomed, not to be feared. But how does being a mom sort of complicate our ability to put ourselves out there?
2: Yeah, I think that's a limiting belief that society has placed on us that, oh, I'm a mom now, therefore, I'm less social. I'm a mom now, I can't fully let my hair down and and let my freak flag fly. You know, I started a WhatsApp community, actually, and I invited all these friends of mine who are moms. And I encourage everyone listening to create these types of communities where you get to share how to mom differently, how to actually sort of shift the paradigm of the labels that moms have, have been given to us. I used to think that being a mom just meant that we were just at home with the kids and not really adding value to the world, you know? You didn't make that up. I think society does that, right? Like moms were sort of, wah,
1: wah, they're dorky. Right. It's just a mom, kind of. You know, like, what else do you do?
0: Oh, you must do something else. Like, being just a mom is somehow lame.
2: It is the hardest job in the entire world, first of all. But second of all, I think, again, we place these limitations on ourselves. I, I've actually Watched many of my girlfriends who become moms in the last two years begin retreating from our community, their social life, because they've completely sacrificed themselves and just fully immersed themselves into this sort of momland that they've forgotten who they are. And I think it's really up to us to have these conversations. And I'm so glad that we're having these types of conversations to be able to unpack why do we feel so much pressure as moms. To be perfect, or to act a certain way, or to not go and color outside the lines. It takes courage to show up for yourself in that way, and then just so many of us are like, I don't know where to start. Put a WhatsApp group together. Start inviting people on the WhatsApp group. Give it a name like Modern Mamas, and that's it. <laughs> you know, and now you have a community. It was a lifeline, and again, so easy to create. We only really met in person like seven or eight of us have met in person. You know, in New York City like as a group called Modern Mamas. And most of that community happens online. So it's completely changed, again, my perception of online community because it was such a lifeline for me.
0: I think this idea of community and the benefits of community seems really clear to people. But I want to take a break. And when we come back, talk a little bit more about what that looks like practically for people who feel like they've lost that sense of belonging. We'll be right back.
1: Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew, and believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give
0: up your amateur status. You're a pro
1: aunt (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Our family has seen a lot of babies, and as soon as they start standing or walking,
0: mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate.
1: Fresh for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Okay, we're back.
0: And this is something we're hitting on so many themes of things we talk about on the podcast. One is watch your story. I'm a person who... And that we get locked in. And I think especially as we hit motherhood, we start to reexamine our stories a little bit sometimes. Like, I'm a person who's shy. I'm a person who isn't good with my kids because I wasn't parented well. Like, And, and that a lot of the exploration we talk about on the podcast is about kind of, are we telling ourselves the right story? My husband is an idiot. I'm the only one who can take care of the kids. Like these recurring stories. I like this focus that you have on watching that definition of self and how important that is. And one of the things that does give that to us is community because our girlfriends tend to see us as like, what are you? You're doing great. We have a What Fresh Hell community on Facebook. And people come on in there like, I'm I'm, I'm a mess because of this. And the first 20 responses are always like, you're awesome. I think you're doing a great job. I can see you struggling, but like, good job. But what disconnects people from making communities? I mean, you talked about an online community. Some people like live in small places. They live in places they feel isolated. They could go online. But what deeper than that stops people from seeking out community in your experience?
2: I think it's like, I don't know where to start. I'm 50 years old. My kids are in school now. I am starting all over with a new community. I moved to a new part of town. I got a job somewhere else. And then the older we get, the more we limit ourselves. And I think step one is, I'm going to share a quick story. My mother just turned 70 this past year. She moved to a new town in Baltimore. And seven-year-old, she's Japanese. English is her second language. She has a beautifully thick Japanese accent. I love her so much. And instead of just sitting and kind of like wallowing in self-pity, I'm alone, I'm 70, how am I going to make new friends? She drove to the closest Japanese restaurant. True story. And she goes into the Japanese restaurant and asks the maitre d', she says, excuse me, my name is Mire, and I just moved into town, and I'm looking for Japanese lady friends. And here is a letter that I wrote with my phone number and a little bit about me. Can you share it with women who sort of like look around, you know, my contemporaries? And she went from kind of twiddling her thumbs at home to having literally her phone ringing off the hook. And within two weeks, she had three lunch dates. And she's had these friends in Baltimore ever since. And that's just a small example of the courage of my Japanese mother. English is her second language. And she courageously put herself out there and made community. So it's literally all around us. Every single one of us listening to this podcast right now could have one or two more friends in their life, right? Every single one of us who's listening to this podcast could easily be friends with each other. And it's just a matter of knowing that you're not alone, first of all. And second of all, knowing that we've been taught in many ways to be the waiter, not the initiator. So how can we not be the waiter and become the initiator? I think what's been such a success metric for me is just that I'm Because I think I have a twin sister and I have a security blanket of her being like, yes to everything I'm, you know, (laughs) I do. And then great idea to everything I lead cheerleader. Yeah. Lead cheerleader. You know, it's like I am not as afraid to be the initiator. And I've always been the person where my friends would message me and say, what are we doing tonight? And I'm just the one who's always initiating. And I just think that to empower. Every single person to know that they can initiate too. Each and every person listening again to this podcast could be initiating and creating a community. Just like my mom did, just like Daybreaker, our community, where again, I was in the hamster wheel of entrepreneurship and working 100 hour work weeks and needing a place to escape and would go out to nightclubs and it was just overrun by mean bouncers, everyone on their cell phones, you know, no one actually talking, predatory male environment. And instead of just saying like, this sucks and being, you know, negative about the circumstances, I just said, okay, what can we do to initiate a new place or opportunity to connect? And that's what I did. So I started Daybreaker and a morning dance party, substance free, we have a hugging committee outside the door, instead of a mean bouncer, we replace the alcohol with green juice, coffee and tea. It's mostly a female driven community. we have women of all ages we have tons of babies and little kids and it's become this like wonderful centrifuge of community and in the morning you know on a weekday before going to work this morning we had a daybreaker in Central Park with 500 people and I'm sharing this because if I can do it, anybody can do it. I'm a little half Japanese, half Indian immigrant from Montreal, Canada, who moved to New York City with big dreams. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. Definitely.
0: If your mom can do it, anyone can do it. That story is incredible because it's very brave. That bravery is hard for people. It's harder for some people than other people. It's not that hard for me, but it would be harder
1: for Amy, don't you think, than for me? yeah. I am somebody who's not an initiator. I am somebody who If people like me are listening to this, like, I wish I could go to Daybreaker, but I don't, you know, I don't live near Central Park and I just moved to this town and I don't know anybody. And that sounds really easy, but I'm not the kind of person who could just start a text community. And that's why I think you need to get this book, because this book really walks you through how to be intentional about this. Like I had never considered before reading this book, which I'm going to say the name of the book again, it's called Belong, Find Your People, Create Community and Live a More Connected Life. And Radha talks in the book about how you can be just as intentional about the kind of friend you want to find and connect with as you were about your romantic partner. You can be just as intentional about, I want friends who are great listeners. I want friends who are good dancers, right? I want friends who will call me up at the last minute to do something. But then how do you become that person who attracts that? energy that's what the book is about
2: that's right so in the going in section i invite you there's about 20 you know exercises in the book to do and really you know go deep with and one of the exercises to your point amy is really thinking about what are the qualities like to write down a three column list column 1 is what are the qualities i'm looking for in a friend like really we do this again for our careers or for romantic relationships but rarely do we do this especially as moms for community and friendships, we were so busy. We're thinking about our kids all the time, but taking the time to write down what are the qualities I'm looking for in a friend, and then column 2 is what are the qualities that I don't want in a friend? I don't want friends who are negative nellies, who are shoulder shruggers, who are like I'm not going to that, who are naysayers, who are just we don't want those types of friends. You know, so write that down. And then the third column is what are the qualities that I need to embody in order to attract the friends that I want? I need to be less judgy. I need to be less negative self-talky. I need to be less labely of myself. I need to be a better listener. I need to to cancel less on my friends because I'm busy at work. There's so many things that we can do to face ourselves and not just point the blame on other people. And that's the sort of the gentle self-awareness that I ask you to unpack in the first half of my book. And then the second half I think is so important to share, Amy and Margaret, which is, For those who are like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to start texting me. What if I go to Daybreaker and like, I don't know where to start or how to talk to anybody. Imagine a bullseye and the outer bullseye is sort of the first dip your toe in. I call it the exploratory phase. So exploratory is the outside phase where you just like write down what are the communities that I want to explore that align with my values, interests and abilities. So for me, it was like, I want to explore communities that love to talk about social entrepreneurship. I want to find communities that love music and dancing. I want to find communities that love adventure exploration. I want to find communities who love personal development. I just sort of mapping all the types of communities I want to explore and then began sort of doing a broad search for who those communities could be. I started showing up to them and seeing what I liked, the energy in the room to see if it really connected with me. And then from there, I said, okay, I'm really connecting with these two so then you move in the bullseye from exploratory to participatory. And the participatory like rung of this bullseye is where you begin getting your hands dirty. You start volunteering, you start supporting, you begin participating. You participate because to belong, you cannot just take and so often you'll buy a ticket to an event and you'll show up and you'll just take, take, take. And you're like, they didn't give me enough and I, it sucked, you know. But if you actually show up with a participatory attitude, that's how you build community. I'm participating in making the experience for others better, not just showing up and being like, what can this thing do for me? Like, how can I just, you know, receive because I bought a ticket. So now it's your turn to just give me, give me, give me. And that's participate.
0: Right. And that's not community. That's not what community looks like. You have to participate. All right. I want to keep going inside of our circle and we're going to come back and come into those next rings of our circle.
1: while Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's
0: H E R O.CO and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, so Rada is talking to us about this circle of community. We start by observing, right on the outside, we're just exploring, we're going to keep moving in. We're participating. And then where do we go next?
2: Yep. So exploratory, you know, no big pressure. You just show up and dip your toe and you observe, you experience, you feel the energy. Then you find them and you're now participating. You're bringing your creative interests and abilities to the community. Then from there, when you're participating and making the community better, you'll find a generous human being. I call a portal. In my book, I define a portal, which is a human being that is generous and is a gateway to a real community that aligns with your values and interests. So a portal is someone who's like, Hey, Amy, come with me. Hey, thanks for volunteering because you've shown up and you've given so much to this community. Let me bring you in and introduce you to my community. Come to dinner. I'm having a little dinner party at my house. Just come and I'll introduce you to this wonderful community. And then you're like, Whoa, these are my people. I really feel connected. And then from there, you meet your outer core community. And an outer core community is moving one rung in from participatory. So your outer core community is a community at large that share your interests, that participate with you, who you've been introduced to you by a portal or a generous person into a deeper community. And then from there, you'll go and find your inner community, which is the bullseye. And your inner core community, like three to eight people with whom you really go deep with, with whom you can show fully up as yourself, you can have bad days with, and they're not going to cancel you. You know, you can have, they understand the totality of who you are. So if you're having one or two or three off days here and there, they still love the crap out of you and love you. And the whole idea is, you know, the inner core and the outer core community can be this impermeable membrane where sometimes your inner core will move to the outer core. Let's say you move, you go to Colorado for three months. Some of your outer core becomes your inner core for these three months. That's sort of the four phases of community. So it gives you just a very easy journey. Like, here's all what I can do to really build my dream community.
0: And I would imagine that in certain spheres, you may have different roles. Like you may always say exploratory, let's say in my fitness sphere, maybe I don't in that sphere of my life go to the inner core. Like that's just a place that like, oh, hey, workout friends who I see in the park, I like you, but. This is not where I'm going to go to the center. Like this is just a space in which I do kind of stay on that outer ring. But then maybe with my volunteer work or a passionate project, like that's a place where I'm going all the way to the
2: center. So Margaret, what if you could have it all? I'm open to it. I'm open to having it all. What if you could manifest a community with whom you can do all your service and creative projects with that also like to work out? right? What if you can sort of expand and grow your community to where it's all encompassing? And I think the problem with our country in general, just society at large is is that we've been taught to compartmentalize our communities. These are my workout friends. These are my job friends. These are my play friends. These are my service friends. And if we can actually generously, again, and courageously bring them together and really invite a centrifuge of kind of interest intersectionality, then life is so much richer too, because then you have a sort of a growing larger village, right? And so that's what I did. I went from having totally compartmentalized community members to really find the friends with whom I could really do it all with. And I introduced them. And I think often also we can be so scared to introduce two friends for fear of them becoming friends and leaving us out. Right? Yes.
0: That's what happened to Amy. She was a friend of my sister's and I stole her.
2: Exactly. And I'm sure your sister is like, what the heck? But that's the whole point is that if we have all live with the generosity of spirit, and there, we recognize that there's abundance for all of us. And it is, again, a skill and a practice that you acquire by actively working on it. It's so important to realize that the more generous and courageous each of us can be to open up our Rolodex, to share our community network, to really invite people into the fold, the more they'll say, oh my God, yeah, Margaret introduced me. Oh yeah, Amy connected us. She's so awesome. I know. And then all of a sudden your reputation grows, your community stock grows. And so I love making introductions. I love seeing friendships of good friends of mine. Become a thing. And I've moved through any jealousy because I recognize how life is abundant and we can have it all. And the more insecure we are, the less our friends will want to hang out with us. The more generous and open we are to that connection happening, the more they're going to, our friends want to continue gathering around us. And it's been a hard fought lesson for me, for sure
1: there's a quote from your book that I've actually like, I've written in my date book. I think about it. There's lots of little resets in this book that I loved, but this is the one that really spoke to me. Showing up means wagging your tail and that, kind of blew me away because it's like, it's not enough. I just went to a a gathering of moms from my kids' school this morning in the park, like I said. And I'm like, I'm going to go and I'm going to see the people I haven't seen in a while. I'm going to make new friends before I leave. I was thinking about this book. And showing up means wagging your tail, which is like, I'm more like, like I'm nice height, you know, and that's not my energy. It's a little scary to sort of be like, Hey, how are you? It's so nice to meet you. And I guess maybe 10% of the time, somebody could make you feel like you're a weirdo for having done that, but not usually. But anyway, that was really transformative to me to think of wagging my tail when I enter somewhere new as a way to welcome connection.
2: Yeah, so... First of all, I love that you picked that up. And I love that you brought the energy this morning to your play group. That's so awesome. I would love to actually unpack a little thing with you. And we can we can use you as a guinea pig. Why would that be scary to wag your tail? Was there sort of kind of a energy around your childhood or growing up that made you feel more scared to wag your tail?
1: Oh, yeah. My relationships with females, with peers, it was bully stuff. It just wasn't a safe place to invest in female friendships.
2: There you go. So because of it, there's a trepidation around, okay, if I'm too gregarious, if I'm too big they're going to turn on me. I'm weird. Right. Or they're I'm weird or they're going to talk behind my back or they're going to they're cancel me. And it's when we don't resolve those childhood traumas that those become future labels on ourselves that limit us from being the tail wacky. because I can tell Amy, you're such a joyful gregarious Playful person. It's just, you've been pushed around as a kid. So once you work through that, I mean, break through that label of, Oh, that was just a moment in my life. I'm now a badass. I have kids who love me. I have a family that loves me. You know, this is a moment for you to move into a new you. And again, we get comfortable. Here's a wild sort of phrasing for you, which is it's more comfortable to live in the trauma of our past stories then move to future possibilities that are still unknown, right? The unknown of how someone's going to react to you if you did wag your tail, because you're living in the comfort of this past story is so scary. If we can just break past that past story and live into this future possibility, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, it's well-received, whoa, I'm surrounded by these amazing women who really receive me and love me, then you're completely rewriting that bullied past story to live into this new future story. And it's so powerful, and it's such courageous work, and I know that you're here for it.
1: Yeah, I love this. And I also love the idea, you talk about an energy axis in the book too, because this spoke to me. Because it is... I think it can kind of sound if you're somebody, you know, who's more reserved, that's like, all right, so just find the wild child in any group and like be friends with them and like make sure they take you with them. That's the solution. It's like, well, it can be that can help. They can be your portal, but you can find somebody with whom you deeply connect and have community who's also really low key, but who's very Connected in their energy, right? It's also about positive energy.
2: You totally got it. So, you know, I have an axis of energy. So, it's a, imagine a plus sign. Uh, the X axis is negative energy to positive energy. And the y-axis is relaxed energy to high energy. So, so often we think of low energy. We think of it's negative. It's bad. That person is low energy and doesn't want to be here. But sometimes it could really be relaxed energy that is still vibey, that still has an energy of tail waggy, right? You can still be wagging your tail, but with a chill, relaxed energy. So, Like you said, like not everybody is high energy and it's going to be like, yeah, oh my God, let's go, you know, but you can still have the warm, inviting, welcoming, tail wagging energy with a relaxed attitude. And so I think that's so important when you're thinking about building community, which is an energetic mix. It can't just all be a bunch of high energy people. It might be too intense. You know, so you want to really find everyone on the right side of the axis, positive, positive, Inclusive, not negative talking, but positive, joyful people. But again, their energy mix could be relaxed or positive.
0: Yeah. And I think for, I think of moms listening who are feeling isolated, who are feeling alone. One thing we didn't touch on when we talk about ourselves being judged is when we go out as moms, we have this like tiny heart shaped extension of ourselves who are with us. We have moms who have kids who have. Special needs who have different behaviors that are maybe not as easily accepted. Like, I don't want to put in people's paths like the only barrier to this is, you know, what, but getting past those barriers intentionally. And we've talked to a lot of people with special needs kids with all sorts of different barriers that they feel. And that intentionality is still central to this is who are my people? Having faith that those people are out there and then sitting down with this book and making a plan to connect with those people is so worth your time. And I feel like it's a step that a lot of us skip because we're just like, ah, this is life. Oh, well, I'm a mom now and I'm a shut in. And I have one or two different variables that make my life more difficult than other people. So no one understands me. So I'll shut the door. And I just really encourage people to put this practice in their path and give it a shot because let me tell you, someone out there wants to connect with you and I think that's, for some people, the hardest first step. And, and I do see moms who maybe they used to connect more easily, but you can still do it, even if you feel like you're on that side of it.
2: Totally. And I think step one in that entire experience also is to, again, look in the mirror and ask yourself, what is my energy? How am I showing up? And... How can I practice? And, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, sometimes like the, a book can be even intimidating. Okay. I have to do this thing. How can someone hold my hand? We say that all the time. Like, oh, more things on my to-do list. Yeah. Another book. Yeah. So what I realized is like, okay, someone needs their hand held through the entire process. How can we do that and really support people? And that's why I started Dose by Daybreaker, which is a joy practice, which is a sort of a let me hold your hand community with on-demand practices, on-demand modalities to practice joy, to practice courage, to practice how to authentically reach out, to practice how to belong and create community. And with 50 instructors on the platform to teach people a community to hold your hand, we have a live stream orientation. We have a really amazing community of accountability buddies to really help you on your journey to joy, a journey to practice How to Courageously Belong. And we launched that about six weeks ago, and we already have over a thousand members on the platform who are here to support each other. It's just, it's such a beautiful community. And again, joy takes practice. It is a skill that you acquire It is not something that you are intrinsically, again, given at birth. And I just think that we're so pushed towards sculpting our abs and pushed towards, you know, kind of fixing our heads by cutting ourselves off at the neck without thinking about how to make it a fun, joyous, movement driven, but just sort of connection between brain and body. I'm really passionate now about really giving people a handheld experience through the process of finding and practicing and meeting their joy where they deserve to be met. Rada, tell us where we can find Dose and where we can find you. Yeah, so you can find Dose at collectivejoy dot com, and again, joy. Once you practice it together, the collective is so much more powerful. When you come into a space where you're experiencing collective joy, it's even more powerful. It's exponentially more powerful than individual joy. And we practice individual joy so that we can come together and invite and create collective joy together. And from there, actually, we developed a first of its kind happiness blueprint to really ask you questions. So through a series of 40 questions developed by the UC Berkeley research team and Dr. Dacher Keltner, who's a brilliant founder of this Greater Good Science Center, we developed a happiness quiz where we would essentially spit out a joy prescription, a joy Rx that says, Margaret, based on your answers... You have one part dopamine, spells dose. One part dopamine, two parts oxytocin, three parts serotonin, and two parts endorphins. And based on your quiz results, here are the joy practices that you can do to up your dopamine, to organize your or oxytocin, to up your serotonin, to really regulate your door. And so it's a really fun gamified way to know what you need more of, and it personalizes the experience specifically for you. So I'm super proud of that and excited to share that with as many people to support their drug practice on a personalized level. We'll
1: put the links to all of that in the show notes. And again, I want to give one more shout out to the book. The book is called Belong, Find Your People, Create Community, and Live a More Connected Life. Radha, thank you so much for talking to us
2: today. Thanks, Radha. Thank you for having me. You both rock.